I'm excited today to welcome a very special guest, Asher Weiss, who's the co-founder and CEO of Tixology. Tixology is a blockchain-based ticketing software that puts event producers, venues, and teams in control of their ticketing. Now, previously, Asher is a product manager for the Golden State Warriors NBA team. He's worked for the Orlando Magic, and he's an advisor and judge for Stadia Ventures. So excited to have him here today. Welcome, Asher. Thanks for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it and and super psyched to talk about, you know, all things NFT and ticketing. So same here. I mean, how about I'd love for you to introduce yourself. I apart from that brief blurb I gave you, like tell us a bit more about yourself and then let's just dive into what Tixology is and how that came about. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm actually Canadian, originally born and raised in Toronto. Been a big sports fan my whole life. I never really kind of thought I'd end up in the industry, but ended up, you know, out of college working at the Orlando Magic in their innovation lab. They have the first innovation lab in professional sports. So really cool opportunity to, yeah, to work on, you know, wide range of projects, anything from player health and safety to improving the premium experience to digital experiences kind of across the board there. So had a really great uh, couple of years there and then had an amazing opportunity to join the Golden State Warriors kind of right when the Chase Center was was getting open in, in San Francisco to be the, the mobile product lead for the app there and, and help bring the app in-house, creating something custom built from the ground up and launching that kind of with the opening of the Chase Center. So had a really great opportunity to work with with two amazing sports organizations and along the way you know learned a lot about a lot about ticketing and a lot of pain points in the industry which ultimately led for me to kind of go down this ticketing rabbit hole and finding ways to you know really revolutionize the industry and and that's where kind of the blockchain piece comes in as, as we feel like it has the power to really shake things up here I love to dive into all these different topics maybe like at a high level then let's like set the stage for for someone, let's say, who doesn't know exactly the business of ticketing and how a team might use different ticket providers, what's the software involved, the different stakeholders, at a high level, how would you present an overview of what the ticketing industry is like, the challenges that are in that industry, and then what exactly does Tixology provide there? And also, obviously, the blockchain element. What does blockchain do to help make that a more efficient system? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, especially at kind of the highest level with the major teams and venues, you're looking at a lot of kind of legacy ticketing players that, you know, built software upwards of 20 years ago. It's like Ticketmaster, Live Nation kind of companies? Yeah, we're talking Ticketmaster, Tickets.com, Vivid Seats. There's some other players. And then, you know, there's some of those newer players as well, SeatGeek and things like that, that have, you know, really tried to break into the industry. But ultimately, though, at the very top, it's dominated by kind of those legacy players who, you know, continue to kind of stucco the building, so to speak, as opposed to, you know, making kind of real um, incremental changes. And so that's kind of, you know, what it looks like at the highest level in terms of primary ticketing and and who a lot of these major teams and venues are using. There's obviously a secondary market piece and and different players there like StubHub, you know, and, and other players in the space who are essentially aggregating different ticket sources and and listing that for secondary purchases. And then there's kind of this third category of ticketing providers that are kind of coming into the space and, and doing something different. So whether that's group ticketing or upgrades or premium packages, there's all kind of these different kind of subsections of ticketing that there's other companies that have kind of popped up to deal with some of those things. But ultimately, you know, what a lot of uh, teams and venues are looking at today is needing to use multiple providers and multiple different tools to try and piece things together and, and find a cohesive solution. So that's one of the, you know, ultimately one of the biggest things that we're hoping to do is 
is kind of bring it all into one clean ecosystem and make it super easy for, for you know, venues, event producers and teams to kind of handle it all within one ecosystem and take back control of their ticketing. So that's kind of where we're at today. And in terms of, you know, Tixology, we're building a blockchain-based ticketing software, like, like you mentioned earlier. Essentially how it works is we allow the, the venue or team to fully integrate and customize their ticketing experience from start to finish including actually customizing the ticket itself, which is something that has strangely been something that other ticketing providers haven't really allowed uh, over the years. And so allowing teams to really go in, build that ticket selling, ticket buying experience, as well as the actual ticket itself. And then we mint the tickets as NFTs for them. So, you know, the tickets are, are then blockchain based and it allows you know, those event producers to understand exactly who holds the ticket at any point in time, uh, capture revenue from 100% of secondary sales. There's a collectible sales aspect now too after the event that continues to generate revenue. There's the elimination of fraudulent tickets completely. And then there's a final piece around fan engagement. And now that you know who your true ticket holders are and your true fans are, you can use that that data to provide incredible targeted offers, partnership offers, and even loyalty programs using that data. Very cool. I'd love to know what was the inspiration for making this happen? Because most recently, you were at the Warriors. And then how did the idea come about? I guess it was based on perhaps your own firsthand experience saying, hey, I'm building well with the Warriors ticketing experiences and here are ways I think it could become better. So what was like the kind of first kernel of idea when it came to Tixology? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a bunch of things. I think, you know, everyone in the ticketing industry is pretty aware of like a long list of pain points. And unfortunately, there haven't been great solutions out there to solve a lot of them. So it's one of those things where it's like the elephant in the room kind of, but, you know, kind of diving into it a little more specifically, I think for me, one of the one of the coolest inspirations was hearing fans and season ticket holders talking about the collectible aspect of a ticket. And in this shift to digital ticketing, really missing that collectible ticket stub that you could take home from an event and collect and, and you know pin on your wall or put in a shoebox or however you might store those, those collectibles and trying to find a way to bring that back, to revitalize that community and that piece of the event journey that people are really missing. So it started there. And then obviously, as blockchain kind of continued to get a little more mainstream, tried to think of ways to kind of how, how that technology and NFT specifically might be a great way to do that. So it started there as kind of recreating that collectible. But ultimately, as we got farther into it, our CTO is a blockchain wizard and, and has been in the space for, you know, eight plus years. So we quickly realized, you know, that collectibles was just scratching the surface. And what we were suddenly playing with was feeling like blockchain technology had the power to solve all the pain points in the, in the ticketing industry, not just one or a few of them. And when I think about like digital ticketing, so, I mean, I think about maybe traditional tickets, let's say if my dad went to a concert of the Rolling Stones in like the 70s, he would have that physical ticket stub. One of the things that we're seeing when it comes to the usage of NFTs, like I don't know if you even saw like that Tiffany NFT that they just are supposed to be releasing, but this sort of mix between physical and digital, like digital and, you know, like Nike's doing physical and digital. Do you see a role for physical tickets moving forward as well? Or do you see a world where everything will be digital, but, or will they have counterparts? Will they have some sort of digital mix, you know? It's an interesting question. I think, you know, there, and then there's the kind of stuff that's somewhere in between, like, you know, yeah. the frame, you know, NFT frames that are allowing you to display digital assets in the real world, right? So I'm not sure what that looks like for ticketing. I think w the way we, we see it now is that 
tickets will be fully digital moving forward. I think our in real life piece is the event, is the experience, is the types of benefits that having that ticket can unlock. So I agree that I think like the real value of, you know, kind of the most successful NFT projects moving forward will have some sort of in real life component to them. I totally believe in that. I think for us, it's less about the actual ticket being hard copy and a hard stub in real life, but instead what that unlocks. So it's not just that digital asset, but it it opens up so much for you. And the way I understand Tixology, it seems like this, you know, B2B white label service for a team. So let's say I'm the maybe CEO of the Warriors or whomever, I'd be using your technology to create my entirely new ticketing experience. And are you focusing on basketball? Step one, I mean, from what I've read, you know, the NBA seems like the most forward thinking tech friendly sports league. But of course, every sports team in the world needs tickets, not to mention also like concerts and everything else and also the stadiums and stuff like that, like AEG or whatever. But are you starting off with like the NBA or do you have like a particular target market that you're focusing on first? So, I mean, like, I, you know, it's a great question. I come from the sports world, as we've discussed. That being said, you know, we see an opportunity in, across different industries here, right? And I think that's one of the coolest things about what we're building is when we have conversations with different groups, whether it's a finance conference in the South or a music festival out West or a venue, you know, in New York, whatever it may be, there are different applications of our tech that can help each of these audiences individually. So what I mean by that is like a conference could use it to have uh, speaker information and agenda information on the ticket itself and allow that ticket to access all kinds of different events or parties around the conference. For a festival, you could have pre-ordering of food and beverage, you could do ID verification, you could do all these different things. And for a venue, you could do different memories from the concert, attach the ticket, or you could do parking, you know, buying parking in advance. So I think while sports is a great example, and, and we would love to get into that space, we're seeing applications of our tech across a lot of different areas. So and there's there's different use cases for each as well. Where's the state of Tixology right now? Like, is it, are you in the process of, is the product live? You've got some clients and customers are still kind of early stage. Like where's the current state of the business? Yeah, so we're, we're pre-launch, but we're getting really, really close. We're planning some kind of beta events for, for September, October timeline. And then from there, we'll, you know, kind of do a more formal launch, but we're getting really close and, and a lot of different interests, like I said, across different sectors. So talking with sports teams, talking with conferences, talking with music festivals, talking with venues, you know, I think people are really excited about this tech. And when they hear about some of these incredible benefits around data capture, revenue capture, security and fan engagement, I think in a lot of cases, it's, it's people are just really excited to start using it. So we're excited to get going too. This is really interesting to me because I think about if I was a, let's say, CEO of a sports team or owned the Madison Square Garden or something like that, I would imagine that the value proposition Tixology brings to me is I guess like three things where the first one being an enhanced fan experience, which could mean maybe like personalization could be like exclusive, like a more advanced sophisticated club membership program. The second might be perhaps retention as a result of that. You know, if a Tixology program is making my fan experience better, then I'm more likely to, I'll double the amount of games I go to or, or concerts, et cetera. But the third and probably most important thing is increased revenue per fan, right? Like if you provide a better experience, then it would increase 
the amount of money I'd be willing to spend at Madison Square Garden or a Warriors game or Beyonce concert, et cetera. Is that the right way to look at? And I think data obviously is part of that too, but is that the right way to look at the value proposition from if I was like a, a client per se? Yeah, a hundred percent. And and the data piece is kind of overarching across all three of those pieces you just mentioned, right? And and ultimately having more data and having more accurate data unlocks more revenue opportunities, unlocks more targeted fan engagement, unlocks better retention, all those kind of things, right? So so hundred percent. And then, you know, the other piece too, which I think is really cool, is we talk about the ticket kind of we feel like the ticket can really be your ticket to the whole event experience and the engagement with the fan can begin with that ticket purchase instead of that scanning into the door. So how can you start to, you know, when someone buys the ticket, how can you make that experience more seamless? And then how can, once they bought the ticket, how can you start to engage with that fan, that ticket holder leading up to the actual event, right? So making it a lot easier for them to find information on the event to pre-order food and beverage or parking or merch or whatever, you know, some of the things we already talked about to make that, you know, game day entrance more seamless or event day entrance more seamless. And then once the event ends, having that continue to be a tool for the fans to engage with their favorite brands and teams and vice versa, right? So I think we feel like the ticket can be that core connection between the brand or the event of the team and the actual end fan. And exactly like you said, you know, can play into those different areas of fan engagement, retention, and ultimately, you know, greater revenue as well. I think even to, while some of these digital metaverse activations can be kind of gimmicky, you know, if you are the Utah jazz and I think they have like, you know, like virtual locker rooms you can now go to and stuff like your NFT ticket could be, the ticket to like the whole metaverse version of what a sports team would offer, which again, it's still kind of early and in my opinion, slightly gimmicky, but it's not going away. You know, I think teams will have digital experiences. they build. So like the universe, quote unquote, of experiences that you could be the ticket to will increase as that universe becomes digital plus physical. Exactly. And there are definitely opportunities. We're already having, you know, different customers reach out I'm about sure. digital events and token-gated events and metaverse events, right? And so there's definitely an opportunity there. And especially with, you know, different kind of cool projects popping up. Like I bought into the sports metaverse the other day, right? Oh, nice. I don't know if you saw that, right? So, you know, there's there's different kind of things happening, right? That sports icons product that's building that sports oh, metaverse. Yeah, right. yeah. There's different, you know, products popping up, different worlds popping up. And like you said, we're just going to see the amount of events, especially digital events and metaverse events continue to grow, right? And there's definitely an opportunity there. I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on like the entrenched players in the space, you know, like the Live Nation, StubHubs, because Ticketmasters, they, they have not always had a great reputation. I know there's been like tons of lawsuits against those companies in the last decades, which on one hand indicates there's opportunity. On the other hand, you have well-funded companies that may want to, I don't know, maybe they'd want to build a competing product against you. Maybe they want to acquire you. Maybe they have like, I don't even know, like, for example, let's say Madison Square Garden, they have a, do they have an exclusive ticketing deal with Live Nation? So they can't bring in other ticket providers like yourself, but just love to know what you're thinking when it comes to those entrenched players. Am I getting that right when it comes to the dynamics? Yeah, you you 100% are. And there are definitely long-term contracts in place, long-term relationships in place, especially the, the greater size of the venue or the or the team. You know, the higher up you get, kind of the more entrenched that those that those, you know, big players are. In fact, 
You know, I was reading just last week that Ticketmaster holds the contracts or Ticketmaster Live Nation hold the contracts for 80 of 100 top venues in the United States, right? So we're talking about, you know, huge, huge contracts here, long-term relationships, upfront signing bonuses, partnership deals, all these kind of dynamics. So we're very much aware of that. And, you know, for that reason, we're kind of focusing on smaller to begin with, right? And thinking about kind of those smaller venues, those smaller teams, those smaller organizations that are honestly underserved and and undervalued when it comes to these legacy ticketing players. So just listening, just getting, you know, just having conversations with these people being like, what's working for you? What's not working? Where can we help you add revenue? Where can we help you understand your fans better? Having those kind of conversations and starting from the ground up. But the other piece too, like, which I want to make sure I touch on is you're right. Like it's, you know, ultimately people are not happy with the legacy ticketing players, whether that's Ticketmaster or someone else. And even just last week with the controversy around the Bruce Springsteen tickets, you know, going for what, going what happened for, there? I didn't I didn't hear so about those. Essentially, you know, essentially what happened is Ticketmaster is using dynamic pricing, where as the inventory sells based on the inventory trends, the prices increase in the tickets. And so people were seeing Springsteen tickets listed for upwards of four thousand dollars a piece given this dynamic pricing. So a lot of, you know, kind of the true fans and normal people, you know, were obviously priced out of that, out of that inventory and out of those events. And so there's a lot of frustration there. So things like that, where, you know, bots and scalpers are, are taking a whole bunch of the inventory and bringing it in house. And then the true fans aren't able to get tickets. That's a big issue as well, right? Just one of the pain points just to dive into it and the frustration around it. But that's something that we can start to combat because now we know exactly who holds any ticket at any point in time. We can identify trends around bots and scalpers. And we can also allow venues and event producers and teams to provide ticketing offers to their true fans before tickets even go on sale, right? So if you are a Springsteen fan and you've been to the last three Springsteen shows when he came to London, you know, now when he's coming to London again, the event producer or the venue could service you an offer saying, hey, Tony, how about, you know, the the same seats you had last year for Springsteen, right? So I think you've got a really great PR angle here of being like the underdog supporting like the fan when you think about the Mm -hmm. entrenched players in the space, which is very much like the Web3 ethos, right? It's like, let's eliminate Mm -hmm. legacy systems and middlemen that are exploitative. And you can't ignore the incentives of a StubHub or Live Nation Ticketmaster but you can probably play like a PR angle the same way like a D2C brand would against like Budweiser or something like that. You know, like a craft beer brand. We're not Budweiser, you know, or, or we're not like some big PNG brand, right? The democratization too, right, of ticketing and taking the control away from the major ticketing players and into the hands of the event producers and even the artists and the fans, right, most exactly. importantly. So all those groups that really should have the power and the say and the benefits, um, putting them back in control, right? No, this this is a, a great area of where I think blockchain, Web3, NFT stuff can be a, a very strong value proposition. Now, I, I'm aware that there are several projects, companies in blockchain ticketing, but definitely not an expert on that space. Like when it comes to other companies, are there like several others that are in your similar space or like what's the, the thing about your company that's like unique? Just love to know like a breakdown of, blockchain ticketing value chain, you know? Yeah, there there are definitely some other players and more popping up, you know, all the time. I mean, I think people see that 
I mean, we, we're big believers that blockchain ticketing is the future of ticketing, right? And at some point, and hopefully in the near future, you know, all tickets will be blockchain based, right? And so with that will come a lot of players, will come a lot of activity. And ultimately, right now, I think we welcome a lot of that, right? Because I think right now we're not trying to convince people from to move from one blockchain ticketing platform to another. We're trying to convince them to move from a traditional ticketing platform to a blockchain ticketing one. So I almost see some of these popping up as a, as a benefit and hopefully growing awareness and, and, you know, around what's actually happening here. But that being said, when I look at other players in, in our space, there's a few key differentiators for us. One is the fact that, you know, we're not requiring any blockchain or crypto knowledge to take advantage of our platform. In That's fact, huge. we are trying to allow people who have no blockchain knowledge, both on the event producer side and the fan side to take advantage of all these benefits. So what that looks like is, like I mentioned before, we mint the NFTs, uh, we mint the NFT tickets for our customers, the event producers. And from a fan side, they're going through a normal process of buying a ticket using Fiat, right? Don't even need to have a crypto wallet or anything there, but they're getting this NFT. So we feel like that can be a really nice on-ramp for people who aren't necessarily familiar with, with crypto or Web3 NFTs, any of that, to onboard into this space simply by buying a ticket. So one is the fact that we're making it really simple for people who aren't blockchain native, uh, aren't crypto native to, to onboard here. The second piece is that we're very focused on ticketing and ticketing first. So we're a ticketing company powered by blockchain, not the other way around. There have been a lot of players to pop up that are tech people or blockchain yeah. people that don't have ticketing or event experience. And frankly, it just doesn't work, right? And so allowing, you know, allowing people to take advantage of, you know, the fact that we have that ticketing knowledge, others are kind of playing in the space and they don't realize the complexities of building a ticketing product from the ground up, right? So coming at it from that angle. And then the last piece is having that, like I said earlier, having those conversations with the event producers, with our potential customers and building our functionality based on their needs and things that we're not seeing in the industry. So we're already building some stuff that we, we think will be really revolutionary around, you know, designing the actual ticket itself, capturing fan data and seeing data trends in the industry, you know, a few other things there. So, that, so that's how I would, how I would you know, describe our, our main differentiators. I'd love to dive into maybe your own personal passions in the sports world and industry. But before I, maybe I'll, I'll ask one last question on, I guess, the product right now. But I guess in terms of the product roadmap or ambitions for what happens next, like, are you able to share anything in terms of where you want to be focusing the product over the next, I don't know, next phase, if you will? Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to share a little bit. I mean, for now, you know, we're getting really close to launching our enterprise product, but we also have a really interesting product in the pipeline that's essentially going to be a self-serve product that will allow anyone, you or I included, to kind of go on and create NFT tickets for our event. So we see a big opportunity in that segment of the market as well. And, you know, not those kind of same contract barriers you and I discussed and and really a big opportunity to innovate and, and provide value to that segment of the market where there hasn't been a lot of innovation or differentiation. So we'll, you know, kind of by end of year, we hope to have both those products live in the market and are very excited for, for both those. That's wonderful. Now, I'd love to maybe take a step back to understand where your passion for sport came from. So clearly growing up in Canada, I would imagine, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the NHL is the main thing that people in Canada would be following 
but it sounds like you're a basketball fan, at least from what your, your LinkedIn would say. If you think about where your sports allegiances lie right now, what are your favorite teams or sports just out of curiosity? Yeah, growing up in Toronto, I mean, it's a big sports town. Obviously, the Leafs are king and, and hockey is kind of, you know, the end all be all. But, you know, I was really excited to grow, uh, you know, lucky and excited to grow up in a time where the Raptors were just kind of being born and just coming out of nothing. And so, Very good time. Um, you know, some of my earliest sports memories are of Vince Carter and his time in Toronto, you know, as an iconic dunker and, and just player overall. And so, uh, since the beginning, I've really been heavily, heavily interested in the Raptors and the Leafs, hockey and basketball being my two top sports. And so following both those teams, you know, as a kid, I I collected trading cards, you know, and, and was very into that side of things as well, including ticket stubs, right? Like, you know, I collected ticket stubs as well from a lot of the games I attended, baseballs as well from some of the baseball games. So it's always been kind of, you know, a big part of my life. And so following, you know, those teams growing up and in the leagues in general, and then having the opportunity to work in the NBA was just kind of, you know, an incredible dream come true. And what was it like? So you were at the Orlando Magic and the Golden State Warriors. Again, like my impression of the NBA is that that is the league with the most forward thinking teams when it comes to technology. And of course, you haven't worked in every single team and every single sport. But what was the impression like there? Because sometimes I'm also curious, like if I was talking to the CEO of the Warriors right now about NFTs and Web3, would that be a, a difficult conversation? Would that be a very open minded Great conversation. And also, you know, how would that compare to talking to the head of like the cricket, the Indian Cricket League, to the, the head of La Liga in Spain, to the head of, you know, it's very, it's, it's interesting dynamics. I'd love to just get your take on that. And I'm sure, you know, you have worked in all these different leagues, but you probably know more than most people. No, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, with the Magic and the Warriors as examples, they are both not just some of the most forward-thinking teams in the NBA, but also some of the most forward-thinking teams in the league, or sorry, you know, across professional sports in general. So yeah, you know, that's definitely kind of the mindset there. The Orlando Magic put that innovation lab in place to push things forward and to constantly be thinking about what's next and how to innovate and how to improve on, you know, current offerings. And the Warriors are constantly, you know, doing things like that as well, whether it's bringing the mobile app in-house, offering 5G in stadium, offering ways for fans to engage at home, just continuing to push the boundaries there. I think both those teams are great examples of that um, because it's it's ultimately not that not like that across all professional sports and across all teams, right? And in fact, a lot of a lot of teams are kind of waiting to see what what others do and often oftentimes looking towards the Warriors and the Magic to kind of make that first step in different areas. So, it's definitely interesting dynamics, I think you know, on one side of the coin, there's people in the sports world that are really entrenched in in Web3 and blockchain and see the, the potential for it to affect everything from ticketing to parking to, you know, food and beverage beyond. And then there's the other side of the spectrum where it's really early stages. They maybe haven't done anything in the space yet. They're still learning. Their fans maybe aren't aware yet. And those are cool opportunities as well to kind of go in. And it's it's actually really fun being that kind of first touch point in the blockchain space for some of these teams and venues as well to be able to kind of even if they've heard of the tech to kind of break down some of those negative you know connotations that have built up over the past several months or just you know show them what's possible with the power of of blockchain ticketing and blockchain technology totally i'd I'd love to dive into the sports entertainment world 
more broadly and, and get your take on that. Because I think if you think about sports right now, for example, like let's say, let's well, just take the NBA. You have things like NBA Top Shot, which is like digital collectible game kind of thing. You have lots of teams at an individual team level releasing their NFTs, perhaps like just for fans that provide access to certain things. You have stuff like, so rare, you know, from a like a like a soccer perspective, which is becoming huge as well. You have fan tokens like from a company like Socios. You have a variety of different ways that people are trying to tackle sports. Also, you have you know like Tom Brady with autograph, like kind of straight up, you know, higher end digital collectibles for like Naomi Osaka and Wayne Gretzky, etc. It's kind of an interesting mixture of different ways people are trying to bring Web three into sports. And you obviously sit in your own sort of connecting Venn diagram with these different companies too, but love to just get your take on what are the the things you're most excited about when it comes to that broad realm of web three and sports and maybe the areas that people aren't looking at, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting question. I honestly believe like a lot, like the industry in general, it's so early still, right? Like when we talk about web three, I think you and I both know, like we're both entrenched in this space, but it's still very, very early. And there's still something like, you know, over 50%, of the US and, and, you know, doesn't know <laughs> what an NFT is or how to use it, or, you, know, uh, you know, have no interest in buying and have no interest in it affecting the future, whatever it may be. Right. So, but in terms of when it comes to like, you know, sports and entertainment specifically where, where they're at, I think, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's still to me very much indicative of like where they, where this space is at in general. So you look at the sports industry and there have been some partnership deals like in the space but the teams, you know, a lot of the teams and leagues haven't done anything beyond like an NFT mint or things like that. Right. So, so kind of very base level of like, here's a collectible, you know, that commemorates something, some event throughout the sports history or a specific player, whatever that may be, which is really interesting. And like, personally, as a sports fan, I'm in, I'm into that, but I think, you know, taking it, that's, that's what needs to happen. And what's happening is that shift from like, this is just a one-time collectible, right? And into a shift where how does this become a tool and tech for us to engage with our fans on a deeper level, to increase revenue, to create more security, whatever it may be. I think that's the shift that needs to occur. And so there's some interesting things popping up that are starting to do that. Like, you know, I think what the guys at Wagme United are doing is really, you know, buying buying that soccer team in Europe and, you know, trying to really push use the influence of Web3 community to really kind of innovate and, and drive that team forward. So I think that's a really cool example. So there are things starting to pop up, but I think, you know, we need to get away from just a one-time collectible that maybe doesn't have any utility to how does it how does it unlock experiences or unlock opportunities or connect you with other fans or whatever that may be, right? I think completely right. Like if, again, if you're the CEO of the Warriors or the CEO of Dolce Gabbana or the CEO of like Universal Pictures, like you need to think about NFTs, not just like a one-off gimmick collectible, which kind of has been the case for a lot of brands that are trying to launch stuff right now into thinking more about like business results, right? Like how does this affect the bottom line? Which is why, I mean, earlier when I was, I was talking to you about how I'd summarize like the value proposition B2B, it's like increasing revenue per fan, getting more like higher retention engagement, getting more data on your fan base and stuff. And I think if you frame things from that language, then rather than a non-business result, like just the novelty of Web3, then it becomes more real of a benefit. Yeah, and not just thinking about one-time revenue as well, like doing an NFT mint 
you know, and making a big chunk of cash one day and then moving on. But how do the NFTs or, you know, NFT projects that you're launching, like how do they continue to generate revenue over time? And how do they bring more people into the fold? And how do they help you engage with your current fan base better? You know, those are the kind of things that that teams and leagues need to be thinking more about, right? Well, let, let me throw this question at you then. Like, let's say you're the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's just pick any any major team, but let's just say the Dallas Cowboys. If you're the CEO of the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow, what are like one to two to three things that you would do that they aren't doing right now? Yeah, well, first off, obviously switch to Tixology for blockchain ticketing, right? Easy, easy one there. That's it, that's it, you that's know. it. All, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I honestly, as much as I joke about that, we do believe that it should all and can all start with ticketing because ticketing is really the true indication of who the true fans are, the people that are oh, yeah. actually coming to the building, coming to your events. And that can extend to digital events as well, like we kind of talked about before. So I think that's one piece. Beyond that, though, all kidding aside, I think, you know, there's some really interesting models around fans being able to buy into specific athletes or being able to buy into specific teams or, you know, development teams, whatever that may be. That's the kind of thing that I would be looking at is how do you how do you create fan buy-in by providing, you know, incentive to buy in. So whether that's access to behind the scenes, you know, looks in the locker room or on the field, you know, opportunities to talk with players, opportunities to, you know, have a real say in what's actually going on with the team, not just, hey, we want this walk-up song, you know, when this player steps up to the plate or when this player enters the arena, whatever it may be, but like things, you know, like Wagme United to bring them up again, like we just talked about, they did, you know, their first vote for their NFT holders was which player position should we be signing, right? And then everyone voted on it and they actually signed a player in that position. So that's the kind of thing that I think fans could get really, really excited about is having real say in the team decisions and also, you know, potentially finding ways for fans to benefit from team success and team's revenue as well, right? Which is a little more complicated, but I think that's a, that's a cool opportunity too. Yeah, I've always thought, I've said this actually on several podcasts, that my personal opinion is that like sports specifically, well, entertainment, media in general, but sports specifically is the single biggest, like single best on-ramp for mainstream adoption of NFTs and even DAOs, I'd say. I mean, Wagner United's a DAO, right? So like, if you think about it, like, I think the idea of the conceptual idea of an NFT for many other use cases is very valid for sure. For in a lot of ways, like PFPs or identity, all these different things. But I think if you take the millions and millions and millions of people around the world who are fans of whether it's like Manchester United or the All Blacks or Dallas Cowboys, and you you conceptually tell them the idea of an NFT is like a digital fan token, whatever ticket, whatever you want to call it, I think that is the single biggest way to make suddenly the number of NFT holders in the world like 10x. Now, easier said than done. It's not as if like, to me, it's like a simple thing, but I see that as like the sort of dark horse compared to what all these Web3 people are talking about, you know? No, I agree. I agree completely. And there's even been, you know, data showing already that sports fans are more likely to engage with. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, investing in NFTs and blockchain projects. And part of that is because the teams are starting to push the boundary as well with these partnerships, with this, you know, kind of education process that's beginning. But ultimately, I think you're right. Like sports in general is such a large audience of people from anything from NBA to cricket to rugby to table tennis, for example, right? There's these massive followings of fans. And I agree, meeting people where they are, I think is the biggest thing, right? Taking an experience of, 
ticketing, buying a ticket, going to an event, having, you know, watching the event and remembering the event, thinking about those different pieces that, that everyone loves and everyone's currently doing and finding ways to kind of beef those up and make them more exciting and more engaging. And guess what? That's an easy way to get people's buy-in is show them what's possible, right? And, totally. and show, it, show it where it doesn't add any work for them. It only adds benefits. I know we've talked a lot about different examples of the entertainment media sports world getting into NFTs, whether it's, you know, like Top Shot or Autograph or Wagner United. Are there any other examples that kind of strike out at you as an exciting way for NFTs or Web3 to be used in like sports like that we haven't mentioned so far? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think another piece too, which is maybe like a little more behind the scenes, but something worth thinking about too, is like the partnership side of sports and the ability for brands to get more out of their partnerships yeah. with sports teams or leagues. I think that's kind of an age old problem in the industry too, is like, how do teams show the brands they're working with real value and real return on investment for their partnership dollars? And that's one where I think it's a really cool opportunity, something we can help with, but definitely can be touched by other you know, areas of the experience as well. But you know, to give an example, right, to be able to give the people, if we take a sports example, we know that this group of people loves to come to Friday night games at Chase Center and sits in the lower bowl and, you know, spends a bunch of money on add-ons and food and beverage and all this kind of stuff. They're probably a key target for a high-end champagne brand or a high-end car brand or whatever that may be. So providing ways to target offers better, you know, based on people's event behavior and purchase behavior, but then also making it easier for for fans to engage with those brands as well, even directly through the ticket or otherwise, just making it so they're getting offers that are relevant to them and then they're engaging with it. So the team can then kind of go back and say, well, not only did we find the audience that's most relevant to you, but they're actually, you know, test driving that car or buying your product or signing up for an event, whatever that may be. So using really the tracking aspect of NFT ownership and blockchain to allow partnership dollars to go that much further, right? That is huge. I think sponsorship activation and trying to understand like there's such like a confluence of different things that sports has had has struggled with forever, but adding a data layer on top, adding NFTs is sort of like, there's just so much that could be done here. Now, running out of time, and I have the same two questions that I ask the same every guest. The first being, where can people find you? Where can people find Tixology? Any other social media website shout outs? And the second question being, what's one last message you'd like to leave the audience? Totally, yeah. So in terms of where you can find us, we're Tixology, T-I-X-O-L-O-G-I, not Y. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you'd like, LinkedIn. And, you know, feel free to add me personally on Twitter, LinkedIn, Asher Weiss. And uh, yeah, and Tixology.com as well to keep up to date and, and follow along with the different ways that, you know, fans and event producers can benefit from blockchain ticketing. And then in terms of, you know, what I'd like to leave, you know, you with and with everyone with today, I think is just 
It's so early days for blockchain in general. And we truly believe that that blockchain ticketing is a great application of the tech and, and is a great place to start. And so we feel like it can be a really nice on-ramp for people who aren't necessarily big and in, big into crypto or have any knowledge there yet. Everyone loves events. Everyone loves ticketing. So how can we use something that's so commonplace and so popular in today's society to bring more people into this Web3 world. So that's kind of the journey we're on. And, um, you know, if you're interested in learning more or want to get involved, we'd love to have your have your help as we revolutionize the ticketing industry. Amazing. Thanks for that last message, Asher. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. Thanks for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about Asher and Tixology in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and give us a five-star review.